Franchised is presented by Fakeship.net with support from Emrysell. If you're looking to buy an iPhone, iPad, MacBook or any other Apple product, visit Emrysell today. They offer refurbished, top-of-the-line and next-to-new Apple products at a fraction of the regular price. And if you're looking to sell an Apple product, they'll buy them off you too. Visit emrysell.com.au Tasting it's stuffing and it's got sprinkles on it. Mm. Uh, uh, excuse me. I don't understand a word you're saying. No, no, I just came back from the dentist and left in the cotton balls. I will take these cotton balls from you with my hand and put them in my pocket. Yep, this is Franchised, the only podcast in the world where you get the added bonus of Dom DeLuise as Don Giovanni from Robin Hood Men in Tights. And that's about it. We've maxed out our comedy quota for this episode. My name's Glenn, and we're here to discuss one of the most talked about films of all time and talk about it some more, The Godfather. This is the podcast dedicated to sequels, prequels and equals with occasional sidequels, spin-offs and rip-offs. Jarrett is here with me. We are FakeShemp.net. And because this is one heck of a weighty film property, we've called in some help from a person we consider to be the godfather of the godfather, Keith Schultz. So the question is, will my love of second-rate sequels be my undoing? There is only one way to find out. Stick around as we get serious with The Godfather. Well, I think I have a frush. What the fuck is a frush? Farewell, dear shithead. The idiots! No fucking shit, lady! Do I sound like I'm wearing a piece of shit? What is it with men and the Godfather? The Godfather is the I Ching. The Godfather is the sum of all wisdom. The Godfather is the answer to any question. Well, welcome to possibly the most serious episode of Franchise we've ever had. I think it's safe to say that I have bitten off more than I can chew by selecting this podcast. I feel like I'm out of my depth. Uh, But this is the podcast that you can't refuse. And um, look. I'm going to give you some context to this one. There is a special guest with us. His name is Mr. Keith Schultz. Keith, how are you? I'm great. Glenn, how are you? I'm pretty good. Jarrett, how are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And the reason I chose this particular podcast, because let's face it, The Godfather is not the kind of franchise we would normally cover on this show. However, Keith and I, we work together. And I don't think there is a single conversation we have at work where The Godfather doesn't come up. No, I have to admit, I've managed to find a way every time to sort of get it in there. <laughs> and if it's not The Godfather, the debate is raging about what is the better film, Apocalypse Now or The Deer Hunter. Yeah, right, okay, yeah. So right, where right. do you, Jared, we'll throw you under the bus. Yeah, where do you yeah. stand on that? Um, I've been desperate to revisit Apocalypse Now because it's been a number of years, but I'm holding out for the final cut. That'll yep. be my next, my next opportunity at the movies. Um, I probably have more recently seen The Deer Hunter. Um, but they're so different. They are. Both films are so different. Um, One's better than the other, surely. <laughs> Apocalypse, Look, I'm, of course. I'm probably, I'm probably gonna, uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna go with Apocalypse now because I think I've seen it more mm. because there's been so, you know, there's been two variations of it. And have I've you got seen like a, a you cinema? Got some kind of rag where I can wipe that smug look off oh, Keith's man. face right now. <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop it now. So you're, you're, you're a massive Coppola fan, then? Yeah? Love Coppola. Well, yeah, right. from particular era. I'm 
probably more of a snob in that regard. Yeah, he yeah, loves yeah. Jack. Apparently, Jack, Jack is where it's at. Jack's the I, I've never like seen it. it with Robin Williams. He doesn't like Jack. Oh, okay. My wife loves it. I've been meaning to watch it. He picks it up on DVD. I'll get there. With it's the legendary Bill Cosby is in yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's the type of film Glenn would call misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the Glenn right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well. All right. Anyway, like I said, bitten off more than I can chew, but let's yeah. try to get through this anyway. The conversation could be endless or it could be <laughs> very short. <laughs> uh, we'll see. So let's begin with The Godfather, 1972, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, based on the novel by Mario Puzo, starring Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, James Caan, Robert Duvall, Diane Keaton, amongst others. So I don't think the film needs any introduction. Keith would say it doesn't. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out the synopsis from Google just for those few people that haven't seen it, and it goes as widely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time. This mob drama based on Mario Puzo's novel of the same name focuses on the powerful Italian American crime family of Don Vito Corleone, Marlon Brando. When the Don's youngest son, Michael Al Pacino, reluctantly joins the mafia. He becomes involved in the inevitable cycle of violence and betrayal, and although Michael tries to maintain a normal relationship with his wife Kay, Diane Keaton, he is drawn deeper and deeper into the family business. Right, so where should we start with this one? Mm. We'll do the usual Jarrett question. Right, right, right. First memory of The Godfather. Um, television, to be honest. Um, although, you know, we rented... Well, I mean, we were renting videos from the, the minute we were, I was born. You yeah, know, yeah, around the true. same time I was born was when we got a v VCR. And so we were renting films, but for whatever reason, The Godfather just, we never rented it. So I ended up catching it on TV. And I think it was the scene with, um, you know, the horse's head in the bed, yep. you know, with the reducer wow. discovering that. And me seeing that and going, because I'd just seen the lead up and the context of that scene and going, this is amazing. I've got yep. to watch this. So it would have been probably, it was pre, would have probably been about 88 or so. Yeah, right. Because yeah, it was okay. before I saw like Goodfellas, yeah. you know, Martin Scorsese's yeah. Goodfellas. So, you know, I hadn't seen too much set within sort of like a, you know, like a mafia sort of crime family sort of thing. Hmm. Um, and yeah, it was a lot to take in as an eight-year-old. Fucking like know a that massive yeah. universe. <laughs> what a movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I dug it the first time and then went straight head on into Godfather 2. And I think that went over my head. And that took me a couple more years to kind of appreciate. I think because of the timelines yep. and things were really sort of unsettling. But yeah, I was like, I was like eight, you know. And I, weirdly enough, I think I had seen maybe, maybe a handful of other Coppola films prior to that. Like I'd seen The Outsiders because my sister had studied that at high school and read the book and watched the movie, so mm -hmm. I'd seen that. Um, I think I saw Rumblefish. Oh, of course, I had seen the best Francis Ford Coppola film. <laughs> uh oh. Peggy Sue Got Married, <laughs> featuring a very young Sophia Coppola. Not as young as Godfather yes. 2, right. Sophia Coppola. Save that, because yeah. I'm going to get to favourite Coppola films a bit later. Right, right. Um, spoiler alert. With Jared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny you say, like, the horse head and all that yeah. earlier, because um, I think the first 20 minutes to half an hour of The Godfather is some of the most profound cinema yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. Like, it really, it really is a confronting completely absorbing piece of drama for the first 20 minutes to yep. half an hour. It's just yep. hook, line, sinker. But what, what are your first memories, Keith? My first memory of it would be um, probably seeing the poster in a year-by-year -year cinema book I have when I was yes. about 10. And then my mission, I just I think something about the the uh, image and the um, just like hearing about the plot really grabbed me. So 
I suppose my mission from there was trying to sneak it out of video easy because it had that <laughs> of R rating. Was R. So being 10 or 11, so I had a couple of failed attempts of getting it. I should have come to your videos. Yeah, and I would have given it to yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I remember uh, sneaking, like conning my mum into getting it out and um, watching it from there. So I would have been about 11. And um, yeah, it just blew me away, really. Yeah. I mean, I'd actually, to be honest, I'd seen part two first, yeah. right, which okay. I enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, as much as a 10-year-old can... But, I mean, it's something about it just kind of drew me back to it. But I remember the first time I saw part one was um, conning my mum into getting it on DVD from Video Easy. And, um, yeah, I loved it from the get-go. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, that a horse's head scene in particular is incredible, which I think actually was born out of a mistake. I think Coppola, he said he read the book wrong. He thought um, it was um, it, it was all it was hidden. But actually, in the book, it was just there on the bed when he wakes up. So you get that slow reveal, which is amazing. It is amazing. So it just works so well. And that prolonged scream. Yeah, yeah. And then it cuts outside and you yeah, can hear him still it. screaming. It's yeah, such a it's good scene. Yeah. Um, my first memory, Keith's going to laugh at this, is the poster for number three. So oh, right, I remember okay. um, going to the cinemas in you know, that year. Was it? Uh, 90. 90, I think it was. Yeah. I think I had gone to see something like Ghost or something like that, right? Oh, so yeah, it was yeah. a coming soon poster on the wall. And it was side by side, I think, with Exorcist 3. Wow. Right. right? Yep, so I think yep. they were the same year. And very similar posters in my mind at the time when I think back at it. And it was so, I, I actually still think the Godfather 3 poster is the best of the lot. The one with him what? in the chair really? right at the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I like love a that. really long as a shot. Poster. As an yeah, image, yeah. right? As an yeah. image. Right. That to me just really yeah. tickles my fancy. Mm. Uh, so that was my first memory. And then I went for you know, years knowing what the Godfather was by that poster. Right. right? Yeah. Having not seen the film. And then I reckon I would have been 16 when I went, saw it for the first time good, and yeah. then did the trilogy, boom, 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 back yeah. to back. Yeah. So, and look, just for a bit of context when I'm listening to this, I'm not getting a blowjob. There is a dog in the yes, room, yes. right? And occasionally in my lap and that slobber is unfortunate for me. That's it. Got <laughs> <laughs> <Not> Archibald. <laughs> That's right. is a good age to, to, to clock them, I reckon. It's a good age because you're kind of you're old enough to get it. Totally, yeah. yeah. Um, 16 <clears throat> was a very, I guess, impressionable time for mm. me. I was exposed to good cinema, yeah. In, yeah. Inverted comment, uh, in inverted quotations, mm. from a very early age. Um, mm. But I think 16 is when I was discovering them on my own. So, like, my parents would expose me to some fantastic cinema growing yeah. up. I loved it. But 16 is where I found it on my own. Yeah. Know, like, right. I heard yeah. about The Godfather. I knew about The Godfather, so I tracked down The Godfather. And, um, yeah, anyway, so... Should we talk a little bit about the film itself? Ah, the cake. Beautiful, Bonifacio. Beautiful. I want to thank you all for coming today. I know that uh, many of you have put off important murders and drug deals to be here. I'm especially pleased to have representatives from the five families with us. The Bartolatos, the Romanis, the Marzonis, the Jeffersons, who moved on up from the east side to get themselves a piece of pie. So apparently Sergio Leone was the original choice to direct this one, uh, and he declined because he was doing Once Upon a Time in America, which arguably is you know, one of the great... Masterpiece itself, yeah. I'm actually not a big fan. I love Leone. That is right. my least favourite of his. Really? Wow. I acknowledge that it's a good film, but yeah. it's just not my... It's not my cup of tea. I, I don't enjoy... It's not a film... I don't enjoy right. being in the company of those characters for... However long it is, I'd much prefer yeah. I'd take his westerns any day of the week. Yeah, yeah. But well, I admire the, the artistry, but 
That's a fair call. I'd take yeah. his westerns over them any day too. But, yeah. um, other directors that declined were Peter Bogdanovich, who had just wow. done uh, The Last Picture Show. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. that was a good contender. Yeah. Peter Yates, who'd done Murphy's War. Yeah. Um, Richard Brooks in Cold Blood. Arthur Penn, who did Bonnie and Clyde. And then Otto Preminger, who'd done Anatomy of Murder. Yeah. Like, this is like... Wow, what a caliber Coppola was not even, like, yeah. you know, a consideration at <laughs> first. It. But, you know, he originally declined as well, Coppola, when he was asked to do it. But I think it was his financial situation that, you know, forced his hand. Because right, THX yeah. 1138 made no money, put him in the shit, and yeah. he had to get himself out of it. So, interestingly, too, Coppola ran out of money making the movie. He was over budget on the casting alone before the film had even started. Wow. Yeah. Which is incredible. Is there anything you know about that you can shed light on? Well, I know that they, in order to make it cheaply, Paramount wanted to set it contemporary in the 70s, so they didn't want that period piece right. just to cut down on the, on the costs, and they wanted yeah, yeah. to get out like a real cheap pot boiler. And it's got a very famous production backstory, doesn't it, with Brando, like I think Charles Bullhorn, the Paramount executive, said he would never be in this movie. It's like over my dead body sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So they, he really had to fight hard, didn't he? But I don't know, they're definitely the cost restraints... For sure. I think it was something like $40,000 a day they were losing yeah. just in that early production yeah, phase. Yeah, which is unbelievable. Just mental. And what had Coppola done prior to this? He'd, He'd done um, The Rain People. Have you ever seen that? No, I've never seen, seen that. So it's got, it's it's not a great film, but it's, it's interesting. It's got James Caan in it. It's yep. got Robert DeVos. It's got the good characterisation, mm. which is what I think got him the right. But I think what kept him from being fired is that he'd won the Oscar for Patton. Yeah, best screenplay. Right, that kind of gave him a little bit of legitimacy. So it's, he, he definitely didn't get this gig off the off the back of Roger Corman films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say yeah. <laughs> like Dementia Thirteen. Unfortunately, yeah. not. Arguably one of the great yeah. mm. slasher films of all or time. Roger appears in a Godfather movie. Is he in the first one? He's in the second. Second. Yeah, he's on the um the Senate committee. Oh, yeah. okay, mate, right. that guy pops his head up everywhere, yeah, I know, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. I only saw him on YouTube. No, Facebook yesterday popped up in a Lloyd Kaufman photo. Crazy. Just having dinner. Yeah. You know, wouldn't yep. it be great to have dinner with those men? That's it, yeah. Oh, mate. Would you ever put Lloyd Kaufman and, like, and Roger Corman in the same room? Can you imagine? Yeah, there'd be some. Oh, amazing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a room I want to be a fly on the yeah, wall. I just watch it. all of what's so, going on. Um, in, leading into this podcast, Jarrett, you recently revisited. I did. Like, what were your overall impressions just watching it again? Uh, well, watching all three instalments, it had been probably a decade since I last watched them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's always a commitment when you do because you want to see it out. Like, you know, maybe you just want to watch the first two instalments. Yeah. But even then, you know, the first film runs like, what, 180 minutes, the second film's like just over three hours. It's yeah. like, yeah, three and a half yeah. hours. Um, and the funny thing was I'd been putting it off. I'd been like, oh, through. I know they're great, don't get me wrong, but it's going to take a while to get through it. And we fired through all three installments of the Godfather trilogy in a week. And I think we did Godfather like on a Sunday night. And then on the Monday night, we did Godfather 2. Yeah. Like I was just so ready for more. Yeah. And I did put off three for a couple more days. Um, but yeah, it, it's just incredible. Like, this is the first time I've actually ever watched the films on Blu ray. Yeah. I'd only ever watched them on tape or um, never, I'd never ever watched them on television outside of seeing those, you know, scenes as a kid. Yeah. Because um, I just don't I think that's a grave injustice to just put ad breaks in this movie. <laughs> I mean, that obviously is going to stretch true. the duration out even longer. One of the networks screened it in Australia without commercials. I think there was oh, that okay. one, of, one of those okay, that screenings. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. It's always ballsy when they do that. Mm. But um, no, just incredible, like from the rich visual texture, of, you know, the way it was shot, the film stock they used, the grade, the colour grade they did on it. All those elements that just, and light are just ph incredible. phenomenal, Good you know, in, in one and two, phenomenal. Yeah. 
And then the audio mix on the Blu-ray, which was phenomenal, this 5.1 mix, was like a Dolby True HD mix. I couldn't believe it. It was like yeah. one of the best audio mixes I had heard on like a back catalogue film ever. Yeah. We watched it in surround and it just felt like, it felt like, you know, when you've got those sort of celebratory scenes, you know, the, the wedding and that sort of thing, it felt like we heard people talking around us. It was really immersive. Wow. I added an element to the film that I'd never experienced before because I think I'd never watched them on DVD with, you know, surround sound. Yeah. I just watched the DVD and had this sound coming through the Speaking TV. of that that wedding scene, that is one of the most, to me, profound moments in cinema. Like, this is there's a juxtaposition going on here where you've got something celebratory outside happening, like it's mm. you know, a joyous event, everyone's having fun, and then behind closed doors you've got some of the most terrifying moments mm. where, <laughs> you know, um, what's his name, Luca Brasi comes in, yeah, yeah, yeah. asking oh, yeah, for yeah. a favour. Like, yeah. the, the, the foreboding dread in that moment to me. Absolutely. I've watched this film maybe half a dozen times over yeah, yeah. since I first saw it. I reckon this recent time is the most, you know, it's really drawn me in with that particular moment. Yeah, right, Realising, right. shit, this movie really grabs you by the balls right from the get-go and doesn't kind of let go, just clench fists all the way yeah, through. Absolutely. And really clever writing yeah, in terms yeah. of having these establishing scenes at the start of every one of the movies where yeah. you introduce all the key players and it doesn't feel forced or like there's, you know, heavy exposition. It feels like everything's flowing naturally well, like, and everything I mean, comes it's a out. Real, yeah. It's a real trick of the craft, isn't it? Because yeah. there is so much exposition going on. Yeah, you but just it's don't feel it happening. so like, well. Yeah, like when Michael tells Kay about the, um, the Luca Brazzi, you know, he held a gun to his head. I mean, they, that's just a perfect example. And he ends that? it with saying, true story. Yeah, true yeah, story. yeah. Like, yeah. And it's that, the delivery. Yeah, and then he's like, yeah, that's my family, Kay. That's not me. You wrote no right there, okay? This guy's different. You know, it's just amazing just yeah. in that one line. But that also yeah. there, right, there is a great juxtaposition to mm. the trajectory of his character. Yeah, you know, which, absolutely. You know, they obviously flesh out more in the second film, yeah. which we'll get to in a moment. I'm trying to think of, um, I had something else in mind with this one, when we talked about the lighting and all that. Right, yeah, It's yeah. got a real sepia tone to this film. Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, it's like a glorious. Yeah, it's, yeah, like a almost golden sort Brassy. of, you know, it's yeah. beautiful. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is something I feel like maybe the third one lacks. It doesn't mm. quite. Oh, it definitely doesn't. Like you watch those <laughs> yeah. first two films, and they're just they're real works of art. I agree because like, you know the period, and you saw films that have come out that, so you know it's not indicative of the period. Yeah. It is the craft. It is yeah. like a specific look. Yeah, that has aged the film to look like the period in which it's set, and it's just Mate. incredible. Yeah, yeah. Gordon Willis, it's, uh, of Annie Hall cinematography fam. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But um, he's um. They nicknamed me the Prince of Darkness, didn't they? Because of those dark shots. I didn't of, know um, that. Yeah, he's nicknamed the Prince of Darkness. Right. Um, those dark shots, particularly, um, you know, in the boardrooms or in the in the offices where Michael, you know, is there. He's really, yeah. His face. Just is how covered. he's lit. Yeah. And like, I think it was um, quite groundbreaking because a lot of people wouldn't like scenes like that, would they? Or it's um, it's too dark, but yeah. it just works. Perfectly. Imagine seeing that. On a cinema screen mm. at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's yeah. a different kind of projection back oh, then. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Well, that, that's the funny thing, too. Even, you know, these films obviously came out in the period of 35mm film, and these prints would have travelled world round. Every now and again, they would have struck new prints for the films when they were reissued back into theatres and things like that, and for repertory screenings. But for a good part of their life, there would have been older prints that were travelling the world of these films and screening well ahead of digital projection. Um, and you can only imagine, like, what those prints that were on their last legs would have looked like, yeah. you know, like it really would have really fucked with like <laughs> the filmmaker's intention. Oh, like, absolutely, you know, yeah, yeah. The colour palette would have been blown out. Um, but yeah, at the same time though, all of that, you know, the age scratches and things like that would have probably added an extra sort of quality to it. So in terms of characters in, in this first film, 
let's leave um, Al Pacino out of it because that's obviously <laughs> right. a given. Who's your favourite character and who do you think is the most profound character? Wow. Keith. I'd say outside of Pacino, my favourite character would be Tom Hagen. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think it's perfect casting because... Robert Duvall does not seem like a gangster, does he? And even he, the way he plays him, he seems like a good man. Yeah. So yeah. it's funny. It's interesting that um, that contradiction is... He's like, definitely the orphan. That's it, yeah. yeah. And we kind of see it. I suppose you kind of imagine yourself in his shoes a little bit. But um, I think he's a fascinating character and his motivations are great. In terms of um, the most profound, it would probably have to be um, Brando, uh, yeah. I think. Mm. Uh, I think, really. He's the... I think, I mean, skipping to part two, there's a different character that sort of carries the heart of the film, but I mm. think he's definitely the heart of the film. It's a profound performance. It's, Absolutely. It's probably one of his best. Oh, yeah. I would say. Incredible. What about you? Um, definitely my favourite character in it is mm. Robert Duvall because yeah. I think he's that moral compass. Yeah. yeah. Like he's, you know, you you know that Pacino comes into it. Pacino is, you know, this, this honourable, you know, war veteran. Um, doesn't want to get involved in the family business and all that sort of stuff, slowly gets corrupt and becomes that. But Tom Hagen stays that sort of moral compass, like yeah. kind of like, I can't do it, but this is what you could do and, you know, and this is what's around. You know. Yeah. You can get a sense when he goes off to do business for the family, he's giving those people the option out. Like he's saying, he's kind of giving yeah. them an out, like, you yeah. know, you could do this the right way or the wrong way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he, and he emphasises what the right way should be. Yeah, yeah. You know, and no one ever takes him up on it. That's it. Yeah, I, I love, he, I love he, that. He genuinely believes, and I don't want to skip ahead to like yeah. part two, but that, you know, he can legitimise the family business and be a part of that Yeah, if that's the direction it's going to head. But, I, I, yeah, I just, I just love his character. Yeah. And I think he's he's terrific in, in, in part one and part two. He's great. Yeah. I often wonder, like, with his character, like, are you okay with this? You know, at the end where Carlo gets garroted in the car. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. are you actually down with that, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, just, it's a fascinating character. It just seems out of place there for mm. me. But, yeah, you need that character there, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My, my favourite is um, definitely Frito. Like, mm. Oh, my I'd, God, what a hopeless... Yeah, like, I don't know what it is. But I like character. that kind of character. I feel like, so bad for him all yeah, the time. But absolutely. it's like he is the idiot brother, you know, yeah. and... Totally. Yeah. Everyone knows so many someone. chances. And, yeah. Not only that, like, I think, too, like, mm. I think if there's going to be, when we get to number three, mm. if there's going to be any sort of, you know, merit that we can extract from it, it's going to be the effect that his assassination had right. on Michael. Yeah. I think that kind of is what gives Michael his arc yeah. in the third one. Um, but I just love, is it John Cazale? John yeah. Cazale yeah. made five films, all of them Stone yeah, Cold Classics. Incredible. Stone Cold yeah. Classics. <laughs> yeah. Mate. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell, let's take a moment though to yeah. acknowledge this man's career because those five films were only over oh, yeah. a six year Was period. Was it Hunter as well? Yep. We had The Godfather, The Conversation, mm. The Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon and mm. The Deer Hunter. Incredible. Incredible. What a body of work. And, and archival footage for Godfather 3. Yeah, yeah, yep. Like he, he died of cancer, didn't he? He yeah. did. He but was, who was um, he married to? Meryl Streep? Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah, think with they Meryl. were married. They were together. And she was at his yeah. deathbed. Which she finished him Kind of puzzled, <laughs> yeah, puzzled me, though, because I was like, he wasn't an attractive man, but he, he was a very talented actor. And She's he must not have exactly been. an attractive woman, like. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's sort of hard to say. I don't know, man. You know? She's definitely better, definitely better or more attractive than a daughter. <laughs> um, that's any gauge, but like, I'm sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to sink this, you know, this 
classy discussion about some Flash cinematic Flashbacks? masterpieces. And then I'm, you know, Is this yeah. your Ricky and the Flash? Ricky and the Flash back. Uh, <laughs> one of his favourite films. I did really like that movie. It was one of my favourite films of 2015. It was quite a good film. Yeah, I did really dig it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The new um, Wild Rose kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, wrong show. Wrong show for a digression. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, but yes, he did. He died of lung cancer. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I reckon it's time to move on to number two. What do you yeah. reckon? As you know, I am obligated to grant one favor on this, the day of my daughter's wedding. While you ask me for this one and only favor, I will sit here and enjoy this very fine tiramisu. Oh, can I have a piece? Peter. Granted. Next. <laughs> oh, crap. So, Godfather Part 2, 1974. Most of the cast return with the addition of Robert De Niro as the young Don Corleone in uh, in a parallel story that sh- that tells of uh, Don's childhood and immigration to America. The continuation of the first film depicting Michael's reign is also a factor. Um, it's an interesting one. This, arguably to most fans, is the pinnacle of Godfather. This is one of the great films of all time, superior to the first. I think the first is the better one. But, anyway, I think <laughs> yeah. if this was going to be a trilogy... If they'd broken part two into those two stories separately, I think you would have had a good one, two, and three. Interesting. So, right. you know, Godfather 2 should have been the Robert De Niro story. Godfather 3 right. should have been the Michael story. Interesting. That's how I would have done okay, a trilogy. So, like, gone prequel and then gone yeah. post. And I understand that's not how the book was written. Mm. I haven't read the book. I think the book contains... So, I think the Michael side of part two, part two sorry, is totally original. And the um, the prequel stuff with De Niro is in the, the book. book. Okay. Yeah. Right, okay. So yeah. therefore, that makes more sense as well. Yeah. Like, have they have done that? But anyway, whatever. It's still a fucking great film. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> James Khan also returns for one flashback sequence. Yeah. Where he demanded as much money as he made for the entire first and film and got it, and got it. And which is to me that scene seems needless. I kind of really. I, I, that's, oh wow. I, I thought it would just end really well with just. Michael taking out all his, you know, foes or whatever, yeah, but yeah. having that flashback sequence before he goes to war and having the whole family there and, you know, him tell the family that he's, you know, he's enlisted. I don't know, I just sort of, I just, it kind of just, I go, ah, oh, does it need to be there? Because, like, this was a good ending and now this is just sort of like, I don't know. And, 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 um, Brando was supposed to be in it yeah, too, was. but he never showed up he on the bailed. day. Right. Yeah, yeah. Really? Because Paramount hadn't paid him his, yeah. um, his box office take oh, from the first wow. one. Wow, that's incredible. That's interesting. That's my favourite scene in the film. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, I mean, it's not. I don't yeah. have a problem with the scene or just the placement. What is it? Kind of like what? it feels like the film ends, and then that feels like kind of like one of those Lord of the Rings moments. Like, here's the ending. Oh, but here's, here's the extra one. ending. And he's like, okay. oh, but this is like throwing my timeline yeah. out. Because like, I think the thing that I, I love, and I actually do prefer Godfather Two to Godfather yeah. One. Mm. I think it's just an exceptional. Hey, film. I'm I'm on the fringe. The timeline mate. is just amazing. It's mm. like mm. it sort of set a precedent for for like things even modern day TV shows like Game of Thrones where you can have these different timelines or different characters but you feel like you've got you know, enough of what you need right there. now yeah and but you want more and then it works to the next timeline you never feel like you're disorientated or yeah. lost and it always keeps you wanting yeah. and delivers on both fronts it never never takes from the other you know it yeah. just works yeah. it's just amazing like, mm. yeah I just I think it's just Incredible. It's like two perfect films in yeah. one. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Which is probably what it's got up on Godfather for me. It's like, I just feel like I watched two really amazing Bang for films. Bang yeah. And that also helps with the duration for it being, you know, just over 300 minutes. Um, sorry, 300 minutes, just over 200 minutes. 200, yeah. Um, it doesn't feel long because I feel like I'm just immersed yeah. in so, you know, the past and the present. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. What is it about that scene that does it for you? I think it's... um. 
<clears throat> apart from it obviously being incredibly well written, I think it's great to show what he was. So yeah. I, I know what you're saying, but I oh, think because yeah, you see the um, what he's become. It's this, a good juxtaposition between yeah. that between final moment, loyalty and betrayal, and kind of like yeah. told in family. And then you go back, yeah. And it's yeah. like it's funny how he's killed his brother, yeah. but the only person that congratulates him for enlisting oh, that is, is Fredo. Heartbreaking. I feel it's bad. Just that. It's just that because I do yeah. kind of well, I don't know. I did want to see him die. Yeah. Because <laughs> like I'm like this guy's got to be put to bed because yeah. he's just he's just more trouble than he's worth. This is and the then thing, you see yeah. that and you are kind of like oh my god I feel like really guilty now because he was supportive of his brother people that's it but people always go you always assume with Frodo that he didn't mean for um that hit to happen on Michael but if mm. he did then he probably deserved it yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do love that yeah. scene I just like and how Brano doesn't appear on camera actually I think it benefits it yeah like, it adds to that the, the um, mythology of his character that you'd never see him again yeah. it's all off camera so now it's that we're, we're at part two now that you're talking about that I don't know the answer to this question, so it's stupid. But who's the better Godfather? Like, do, who do you think on screen is the more effective Godfather? Oh, you mean in terms of the context of the, of the plot? Of Just the like as far as engaging you as a viewer, like who is the who's the scarier Godfather? Oh, definitely Michael. Yeah, I think he's the scarier one. Um, is that just because you've had more time with him? I think so, yeah. Like, I think he's he's my favourite character in the film. Funnily enough, Obviously, when I was a kid, yeah. I used to love him. Right. <laughs> now when I watch yeah. him, I'm like, mate, you are a stone cold dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he is the main... I think his performance is magnetic. And I think his character is magnetic. Like, some people say in part two that he becomes too much of a zombie, that there's not much character development there. I disagree. Yeah. I think you see him just go further, further inward. I think even Coppola said he was influenced by Nixon of that Watergate right. period where he's, you know, he's bumping off his advisors in manner of speaking. He yeah. becomes more and more paranoid. So I think he's definitely, he's probably the least likable of the two, but he, for me, is the more threatening figure. I can't imagine Vito's character ever ever doing some of the things that he did, if that answers the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, totally. I feel totally. Like, uh, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm in agreement with Keith on it, mm. but I also feel too, because although we do see the backstory... Um, Vito, but at the same time, I feel like we haven't sort of seen as much between the current, you know, Don in Godfather yeah. and his backstory in Godfather 2. So I haven't seen certain things that have led him down a path. I think, you know, he's a man of action and he gets things done, but we've seen Michael's slow corruption over time and we know there's no turning back. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of see that, you know, not the evil, but I sort of see that. You know, he can't compromise, you know. Yeah. You know exactly yeah. he can't. But i got a question, a yeah. weird question. Yeah. Do you think Fredo knew that he was going to be knocked off, bumped off, when, when yeah. they were at the boat and the kid, and he said, oh, we're taking the kid to yeah. wherever, and then he still goes out, and, you know, you, yeah. it's just a really, you know, you know it as a viewer. But yes, does yeah. he know it? I, thought, I actually thought about this last time I watched it. I reckon you could argue that he did, yeah. for sure. I, I think... um. I don't know, but I suppose, I mean, he ran away, I mean, after Cuba, didn't he? He gets pulled yeah, back in. Yeah. I think it's definitely implied that he knew. I think he yeah. could go either way, yeah. for sure. It was just I, a matter of time, really. Yeah. He knew that he was on, on thin ice. Which is going to happen. Yeah. Which I think is the funny thing about part two. I think it's much more ambiguous. Yeah. Like, even there are some things that happen in it that I still can't figure out. Like, right. who killed the two hitmen on Michael's compound? Is that supposed to be Frodo? Like, I've never figured that out. Right, <laughs> it yeah, must yeah, be. Yeah. But, um, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, that's funny you like, mentioned I've that. Never, it's never really kind of touched on again. It's that's so, it. You know. Yeah, you just kind of left yeah. to assume things. So, I think, which I think is the genius of the second one. Mm. It's much more subterranean in character arc, like yeah. by Michael, you know. 
and um, some of the plot is just is kind of it's kind of vague. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah. Do you think Michael ever got to the same stature as Brando as far as the character? Like, because no. when we meet Brando, he's well and truly the Don, and mm. he is. It's just implied that he is one of the most terrifying men in the world. Like, yeah. You know, in that universe. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Michael ever got to that point that he's the same? Is he as iconic in the character or...? Like, so the opening scene of the first mm. one and the opening scene of the second one are very similar. Mm. Yeah. Where you've got the father and then the son. Yeah. Same scenario. Mm. Got a favour to ask. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that that room, the tension in that room, ever got to the same as what it was with Brando, with Michael? No. No, I, I think, and I think definitely you can tell that uh, Brando's character is much more loved and respected. Mm-hmm. He, he never, he, Michael's not able to balance that, is he? That that sort of warmth or respect with that terrifying aspect. He's kind of just that, the one on the right. Yeah. I, I think he's much more maybe dreaded in, yeah. in, in within that universe, but I don't think, yeah, I know what you're a saying. A bit more reckless. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it, it, he has that same sort of gravitas mm-hmm. within that. Well, what do you think? Yeah, I don't. I think, uh, yeah. to me, just like if I was just to isolate those two scenes, I mean, I know that uh, with the second film, it's it's still early in his donhood, mm. if you want to, yeah. for lack of a better word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you want to take the comparison of that age, number three would be how old Brando was from yeah, the first film. Yeah, that's it. No, that's it. Um, but he wants to go legitimate in number three, so that's yeah. a different kind of thing. Um, no, I think just from watching it from the character interactions, I think Brando was the scarier yeah. of the two. Sure. Um, I think with Michael, you kind of knew what you're getting when he answered. Yeah. With Brando, you know, you didn't know it was ebbing and flowing between I could walk True. out here alive, or I could, uh, yeah, or I could just, be, you know, not make the door. You know. Point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was where Tom was in the background, just ready, you know, yeah. to sort of mm. clean things up. That's it. Or even in part two, that's shown like when he goes to the cafe with Fenucci. You're not 100% sure that he's about to kill him, are you? Yeah. No, or when no, he no, goes totally. back to Sicily and knocks off the Don there. Yeah. That's yeah. another great scene. Oh, it's great. Just ruthless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So consensus is number two is the superior film. No. See, this is a tough one for me. <laughs> I, see, I love them both yeah. equally. If I had to... I reckon number one has definitely got the better plot. And I think it's definitely got the better story. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, and I think Coppola knew there was no way he was going to match... That you, there's no way you're gonna top that storyline, yeah. so I think the comp. See, I, I'd probably disagree with you that I think reason part two is so good is that it has both, mm. and I think both plot lines on their own are sort of flimsy enough, yeah. But when you mm. put them together, they um, it's greater than it greater they than the congeal. Part That's it. Well, I think yeah. Coppola said he wanted to make a film about a father and a son at the same age, yeah, which I kind of think is what makes wow. that film yeah. really sophisticated, it does. definitely. But does. I, I do that, it would be interesting mm. to see them as part two and part three but I think the genius for me is that you go back and forth and it it complements each other so well and just historically speaking I'm not a fan of alternating timelines yeah okay it's just not something that floats my boat yeah because I I kind of feel I'm taken away from something and I like the sort of focus and that's just my my grudge to bear but you know Uh, Godfather 2 is the first film in Hollywood history I believe to use a numerical number to signify it as a sequel it is really yes Holy shit, that's the yeah. best trivia I've ever yeah. heard on one of <laughs> yeah. our podcasts. Yeah. Not only a number, yeah. but Ro- Roman numerals as well. Incredible. Like. Yeah. Who would have thought that would go on to inspire the Friday the 13th series? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Same studio though, yeah. Paramount. Yeah, so yeah that's, that's it. You know, that's true. How that's unusual. true. So that's just wow. an 
it's a cool fact in itself. Because it and now we've come to a point where they 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 rarely use any numbers. I know, so yeah, it's hard. I miss them. I miss I the do. numbers. I miss it too. Do you prefer yeah. the numbers or the the numeral, the Roman numerals? I like the Roman numerals Same, because yeah. regardless of whether I can't figure it out. Yeah, because no, you get the number eleven <laughs> and you're like, what you're the like, fuck? What? <laughs> Is it the X before the I? The I before the X? Um, yeah, no, I love yeah. the Roman numerals. Yeah, thank right. God, so thank God, Bond never had yeah. any numerals, man. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, um, I think that was back. Yeah, they they like that Bond thing. They you give a new film a different title. Which True. I yeah. mean, yeah. I must pref- prefer the part studio though. didn't want the number two, but at this point in time, um, Coppola had free reign yeah. on this baby because wow. of the the strength of number one. Yeah. Won the Oscar. It sort of you know it bought Khan, him all. Yeah, one Khan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So they gave him autonomy. Yeah. I think there was a few moments throughout the production they regretted giving him autonomy because <laughs> he's sort of yeah. very indulgent with this one. But of course. yeah, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, anything else you want to add to number two? You want to add like... Oh, yeah, I could, loads, I could go on forever. Let's, let's be honest. Do it. I mean, where do I begin? Well, actually, what do you think of um, Lee Strasberg? What, what do you think of the villain in this one, Hyman Roth? How does he stack up to Salozzo? <laughs> Let me ask you to talk, then ask us questions. This is precisely why we got you on the yeah, show, because as yeah. I opened with, like, we're out of our depth with this okay. one. Um, just... No, 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 that's a great question. Yeah. Um, I think free ball here. <laughs> Maybe not free ball. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, where's Archie? Where's Archie? Yeah. 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 Um, fuck, you've stumped us, dude. Yeah, that's oh, tricky. How about, how about this? Um, in terms of Pacino's performance... Mm-hmm. Do you think this is greater than parts part one? Absolutely. So do I. Yeah. I think absolutely. it's the greatest. I mean, yeah. I always go on about the Oscars. I know they mean nothing, but that really pisses me off that he did not win the Oscar for that. Who? Yeah. Who um, won the Oscar? Art Carney for Harry and Tonto. Wow. <laughs> so it's always that way, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh damn! But um, yeah. yeah look, I mean. And we should also say that this yeah. is one of the few films that's won Oscar back to back. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's the only where the original and the sequel have both won. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Exactly. Number three was nominated. It was nominated, which people got, got quite a few. Yeah, imagine if that had of yeah. um, one best supporting crazy. actress for Sophia Coppola. <laughs> oh lord. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, what's to say? Let's talk about what we can touch on. I think one thing I do like about the film is how it goes to Cuba, mm-hmm. um, and that really, I think it's just a real clever tap into the time of you know what was happening there with the revolution. And I think it really highlights Michael's sort of smarts. You know that scene where, um, you know, he's kissed Fredo at the party and the president's saying, um, you know, I'm, I'm done, I'm resigning. And he's yeah. the first to leave. Yeah. It's like he's seen you know, that shot of him on the steps and he's the first person that just like sums up his character. He's just one step ahead of everyone Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Like so he was already aware when he's yeah. seen some small sort of altercation in the street and that's enough for him to go, is everything okay that's here? It. Because yeah. he's very suspicious. Mm. And yeah. You know, yeah, I, I just just love those little touches. Um, I mean, there's just some countless incredible scenes in there, isn't there? Like all yeah. that stuff with Fredo and Cube is great. Obviously, if, if Fredo hadn't run, do you think he still would have killed Fredo? Or I do you think that, part of it is that he evaded him for so long, and it made him look bad too, so that you know he had to. I think that's a good question. It's tough to know because like he he does yeah. give him the heads up, like I got a plan, and I'm leaving. If that's you want to get out of here, come with me, sort of thing. Yeah. And, I, I reckon, yeah, I don't think he would have killed him initially. I think it's no. just that hardening yeah. of the heart, isn't it? I think after um, Kay leaves, that happens yeah. before, doesn't it? Yeah, I really think yeah. that kind of finishes him off. That's a hard scene yeah, where she comes to visit. Well, when she comes to visit and, yeah. you know, um, yeah. the children, you know, don't, they can't, they're not allowed to talk to her or, and, you know, the son's sort of like apprehensive yeah. to even acknowledge her and then he's just completely cold yeah. to her, like, and shuts the door in her face and it's just like, 
this man's changed. Yeah. Like, just beyond comprehension. Well, you haven't even talked about Diane Keaton. No, we um, haven't. We haven't talked about those eyebrows of hers. Oh, Her finest man. so unusual. Weird, but um, Diane's finest okay. movies. Well, second, uh, <laughs> yeah. second uh, any whole reference I've made to say, yeah. in this. Because the uh, that's one of the other conversations mm. we constantly have uh, is uh, Woody Allen. That's but, um, it. Yeah. Yeah. So Diane Keaton in this one, I think I think she's a very understated performance in these films. Yeah. I think mm. I think you can easily overlook her. I think yeah. you know she yeah. doesn't on the surface add much no but I think if you actually get stuck into the character I think there's quite a lot more going on absolutely well she's like she's his conscience yeah. isn't she like Brenner doesn't have that right from her first scene yeah whereas Brenner does not have that his wife is just she, she'd happily just turn the other cheek and smash yeah. the pasta but you know? there's yeah. that constant yeah. promise that I yeah. will go legitimate I will go legitimate that's it and yeah sort of, and she holds on to that hope that it, yeah. that's going to happen and never does yeah well kind of almost does yeah that's it <laughs> But it's I, too late. She's gone. She's gone, yeah. yeah. I mean, that scene where she goes, I had an abortion, that's an incredible scene. Oh, God. The yeah. Pacino's face, you just yeah. like melt a brick wall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate. But the one thing, maybe the only thing that I would change about part two, and it's not, not a fault, is Frank Pantangeli, that character was supposed to be Clemenza. And I think that would have been great to have see that character arc from part one to part two where he betrays the family and then, you know, goes back on his word at the Senate hearing. So I think um, the actor, Richard Castellano, he um, wanted to write his own lines. Oh, right, okay. Said, Who says that yeah, to Coppola? No, and Coppola just went, I, I, can't, no, I can't do that. I'm just going to rewrite you as a different character. I think that would have been fascinating to see Clemenza all the way through. But apart from that, you, I don't fault it, really. But, I mean, he's Michael V. Gazzo. I mean, he's great in it. Mm. But it would have been great, I think, to have Clemenza there. But, I mean, you get him in the, in the De Niro scenes. What do you think of De Niro in in the role? Yeah, it's interesting. Oh, oh yeah. no, I think he's he's great. Well, he's yeah, a great he's performance. Fantastic. Yeah, it's funny because I after watching it, I had spoken to a friend at work and said, "Geez, you know, it's great watching Rob De Niro, you know, in this peak of his career when yeah. he played roles that were characters, but they weren't. That's you know a De Niro character. That that's that's a character that De Niro is playing, like you know, like a yeah. Travis Bickle or, or like um, what's his name in King of Comedy." Uh, Rupert Pumpkin Rupert Pumpkin yeah. like adopting characters and playing him not playing De Niro mm. yeah and it's exceptional like watching him just going fuck this is a guy that <laughs> is like at his peak in his career just yeah. just killing it like yeah. killing it and I know that with age and reputation and everything else that's an impossible thing you can't escape yeah. the fact that you're that actor that did this and that and that and yeah. you get typecast for doing these particular films and you got to play against time and do those comedies and things and yeah. like, why doesn't he do these types of it's tough, but yeah, watching these films from that period when he was just on fire with films. I think the influence of his character in this one too has sort of permeated through cinema as well. And yeah. this yeah. is a massive like bow to sort of stretch, <laughs> right? But yeah. I think Daniel Day Lewis in Gangs of New York mm. is like it's very De Niro in itself, right? Yeah. That character. Yeah. Well, it is. De Niro was supposed to play that character, yeah. but I think the setting as well is very, very similar. Well, um, the years apart, but. Yeah. The tone of that, I think it was very, very influential. Well, Coppola didn't want to direct part two. He wanted Scorsese to direct it. Actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. So he, he said, I want, he went to Paramount and said, I want this, yeah. this guy to do it. And they said, no way. So he, he actually, it could have been a Scorsese picture. So that's 74. What had Scorsese done at he that point? He just done Main Streets. Yeah, right, and he, yeah. was, he did Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore in yeah. 74. Yeah. But he? still, like coming off the back of Main Streets, that's a big ask. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Imagine totally. if he had done it. Yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it? And I think De Niro got that role because he auditioned for Sonny. Have you seen his audition for Sonny? No. no. It's insane. You should, 
I want him to finish it with YouTube. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's why he just—he's a psycho. Yeah. And <laughs> Cobbler said I just can't, couldn't use it just because he was too psychotic. But it was amazing. Yeah, right. So I kept him in the back of my mind for Brando's character. And isn't it funny with all of yeah. the recent um, anniversary interviews that have you know the Today shows and all this, mm. the driving force has been De Niro. And yeah, he's not I even know. in the first he's film. Not even in the first one. Like, no, but he's you're the one right. leading that celebration. Yeah, Coppola yeah. won't have anything to do with it. No. And but there you've got De Niro taking Coppola's place. Yeah. You know, championing this reunion. It's only of the first one too. These interviews. So you've right, got you okay. know um, mostly anyway. Yeah, you got Duval there and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's fascinating. It is interesting, isn't yeah. it? It must be unusual for him to be attached to that character but not be in that original film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. If you're looking for a new Mac product, Emery Cell is the place for you. Don't throw your money away on stupidly expensive Apple gear when Emery Cell provides top-of-the-line, totally refurbished products across the Apple range. Whether you need a new iPhone, iMac, Mac Pro, iPad or other Apple products, visit Emery Cell. And if you're looking to sell your Apple gear for whatever reason, Resale can offer a generous price with full data erasure, fast payment and free shipping. Visit Resale's website to see for yourself. Fakeshemp.net uses their products and they wouldn't steer you wrong. Visit emresale.com.au Tune in to the next episode of Rewind and Digress where we track back to 1994 to discuss the coin-op banger turned stepchild feature film ranger, Double Dragon. It's, it's got the veneer you know, of family friendly. It, it does, definitely. But a bit definitely. like what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did in that first film was it took family friendly and took a dark spin on it like, yeah. and put this sort of underlining element of... What's the word? I don't know what the word is, but it's got a Shit. really... <laughs> no, I'm sorry, you just said it before. So. <laughs> don't forget to rewind back to previous rad episodes where we discuss such classics as The Last Starfighter, Squirm, Tourist Trap, Electric Dreams, and many more. And don't forget, video games make for awesome films. Ah, fuck, scratch that last part. Hey, Glenn, let me ask you a question. Who had Frankie Pantangeli killed? Phil. The Rosanna Brothers. <gasps> Who gave the order? This. There was this kid I grew up with. He was younger than me, sort of looked up to me, you know. Glenn. We did our first work together. Worked our way up the streets. Things were good, we made the most of it. I gotta change. During Prohibition, we ran molasses into Canada. Made a fortune. Ran molasses to Canada, you should run some brains to your head. Dumbest question of the episode. Where do we stand on Godfather 3? And can you please share your first memories of it? Yeah, okay. I can, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, a video is here again. I remember getting it. So, I'd seen the first two. So, I watched it. I remember my first viewing at 11. I remember watching, you know, the first time I watched part two, it's quite, It's as I said, it's quite ambiguous. It's It, it takes a couple of watches, doesn't it? Part three is probably more immediate. It's probably easier to watch. Mainstream. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. it's not as demanding. Yeah. So I remember watching and enjoying it. I think by the end of the film, um, I can't really remember my initial impressions. I remember it didn't make as much impact on me as the first two. So my, one of my biggest flaws in mm. general with films is I hold on to nostalgia. Okay. Uh, so how <laughs> I felt watching films when I was young, I quite often hold on to that yeah. impression. You enjoyed it when you were young and you watched it at yeah. that age. Like, have you hold on, held on to any of that? No. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So, I tell you what, I watched it again recently. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I think I've said this to you before, Glenn. Yeah. I think if it was a standalone film, 
unrelated, it would work. It's pretty. It's got some. It's got some good scenes. I think it's got some good performances. It's got some interesting stuff. I think, um, in context of the first two, I think if you watch it directly after the first two is when it really jarring. suffers. Really yeah, it, it really, it, it, for me, it doesn't even feel like canon. To be honest, it doesn't feel mm. like it's part of that same universe. Yeah, right. Doesn't Coppola call it his epilogue? Like that's he does. He, he doesn't consider it a sequel anymore? Yeah, and he, right, he, well, right. he, again, he didn't want to call it part three. He wanted to call it the death of Michael Corleone. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But that. they, yeah, obviously, yeah. they said no way, which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, to All me... All that power they gave him over number two, they took yeah, back for number that's three. Yeah, that's it. He didn't he, have it. he'd made some other things in the meantime. Yeah. When it was, you know, great. But I mean, look, I have lots to say about this, but... Oh, feel free to say it. I mean, Jarrett, before we move on, yeah, like your yeah, overall. my sort of look. I um I saw it when it came out on video. Yeah. Um, by that point, I'd obviously seen one and two, and it was the first of the the films that wasn't rated R. Funnily enough, I think it was rated M when it came out. Yeah. And it's evident when you rewatch the film because it's nowhere near as graphic in its violence. I mean, there's violence in it. Yeah. But there's not. For the example, violence, that the, the massacre that, scene with the helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. If that was in the. F- First two films, you would there'd have be seen blood everywhere, blood yeah, everywhere. Like it. I mean, and, and again, like, I will give it credit. That did sound incredible in surround. Like, yeah, yeah, it would have. Yeah, yeah. I actually think that's a great sequence. That's probably the best sequence. Yeah. In it's a good scene. Film. It's imaginative. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's great. Cool. It comes out of nowhere, and it's great watching sort of them escape. And yeah, um, again, that fall like Pacino having that knowledge to go, okay, we've got to get out of here. You know, yeah, yeah. He's the first one out with Garcia. Yeah. Um, I when I first saw it on video as a kid, and uh, I don't uh, as much as I had always loved film. Obviously, I wasn't as educated in terms of, you know, knowing film technique and appreciating, you know, grades on films and things like that. So I didn't think, I don't think I noticed a visual difference, Mm -hmm. you know, with it. Um, I just found it was like a bit more of a drag to watch as a kid. Like it felt like definitely more of a drama than anything else. Like, I mean, not that they're not, but like it just felt like there was just a lot of talking. Yeah. and so I never really held it in a super high regard, but I did have a massive crush on Sophia Coppola <laughs> at the time. Like when I was, you know, when I saw her in the film, I, I yeah. loved it. But I also did have a massive crush around that same time on Tori Spelling because she was in Beverly Hills um, 90210, which makes a lot of sense because I've watched this film maybe twice since I first saw it. And this was actually, this would have been the fourth time that I've mm. ever seen it. Um, and yeah, I don't really find her that attractive anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nor do I find Tori Spelling that attractive anymore. Um, <laughs> nor do I think she's very good. Good in the, I mean, she's great in Peggy Sue Got Married. The part's very small. I think she's Kathleen terrible Jenner's in sister. this one. She is absolutely, apart from the character that, you know, having this incestuous sort of family relationship, which is just kind of fucking weird. Yep. Um, and doesn't really belong in this franchise. Um, her acting is just Actually, abysmal. She's like a, such a bratty little girl. Yeah. And her performance is just so... Wouldn't. It just brings everyone else down. She's like she's on depth. screen with Pacino and it just brings him down. I was going to say, I think her performance alone brings this... Down yeah. big time like this, I would argue that this does have a place in the trilogy. Obviously, I have much Maybe more it's affection a TV for it. movie. I think it wouldn't have been so bad, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, but I mean, obviously, it's the inferior. Clearly, it came sixteen years later. It opened lackluster opening sequence. You got mm. the first two with this powerful opening, and this one has what a fucking voiceover of a letter that he's yeah. reading to his children mm. and. The flashbacks to Lake Tahoe and all yeah. this kind of stuff. It's instantly like, okay, we're mm. in for something completely inferior. Yeah. But you know what? I love the additions to this. I love the casting. I love Garcia. Do you like that? Okay, yeah, okay, that's I fair think, enough. Because I think Garcia belongs in this franchise. He's a talented actor. Garcia and I think he great. never quite got the credit he deserved. He did yeah. a run of great films. He did. He's 
such a great actor. Yeah. And he's great in this. And I'm with you all the way on that one. Because yeah. I, I think he's the star of this film. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, undoubtedly, yeah. Absolutely. But I'm curious to see who else you think is a good addition to the cast. Well, okay. John Savage. He's not a huge player in right. it. Okay, that's all. I, oh, yeah, yeah. I love John I'll Savage. Um, George Hamilton. I <laughs> No. God, no. I actually, he has no place in the Godfather universe because he's such a TV sort of, such a hammy type actor. He's like a leather suitcase of a kind of guy. He is, but I think, so I think his character in this, I mean, obviously he's replacing hey, Duvall, yeah, right? Duvall, and it's such a poor substitute because, I mean, Robert but, Duvall is such a great actor. But Duvall wouldn't actor. come back. He just wouldn't yeah. come back. Because the money. Yeah, that's He yeah. wasn't happy. Yeah. You know, uh, Pacino was getting paid five times what he was and he yeah. said maybe two, three times, but yeah. five he times did, ridiculous. Yeah, I won't come back. Everyone's doing it for the money. And I would have come back if they gave him That's the money. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like that. But then he That's goes in to say... And there's that you know? great video yeah, where such he's... such a good clip. Yeah, <laughs> You're like, Google, <laughs> why didn't he return? And that clip comes up. It's like, I've watched it twice. Yeah, Was this the one with um, with Larry King? And he says... No, it's Bob nah. Costa. Well, the one yeah. with Larry King, though, when he's asked about it, he goes, you know, Coppola came to my house, asked me if I'd be in it. Um... I said no, and we, we ate crab cakes. My mother's recipe, they were delicious. <laughs> so yeah. good. And that's it. That's so the good. thing, isn't that? That's story. Like, isn't it? So yeah. Good. I like he's like, because it's, you know, it's an interesting premise. Well, I, do. I don't know if they pulled it off, but, you know. I do like George Hamilton. I don't think he's in it enough to distract from it. I kind of like. No, it's fair. I like his coolness sitting at the table with his glasses on, just sort of, you know, dealing with the charities and the, the legal side of things. Mm. I kind of like it. He represents um, that new I world. I don't think. Bridget Fonda's too out of place. I like her. Oh, yeah, her, her also sort of it is, but, minor. But and, she kind of like. You know, doesn't look like she shouldn't be in the Godfather no. either. Like she kind she of looks just... too contemporary. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know. Know. And Joe uh, Mantegna. Like... Yeah, I don't know. That guy's all... like I don't mind him. <laughs> no, like... but no, no, but take it in the context of when this was made. Oh yeah, no, he no. Hadn't I appreciate become, that. He hadn't become that oh, no, caricature that we know. Yeah, oh, it's true. Simpsons like one of the things I love about him is a uh, film he did, um, David Mamet film. Things change yeah. with oh, okay. um, Don Amici in 1988. Yeah. And it's, wow. it's a it's a mafiosa film, and it's Don Amici's brought in because he looks like a double. And they keep him because they want to make it look like, you know, mm. this guy's doing that and he can take the fall for this. And, and it's a brilliant performance. And I've always had a soft spot for him, but I've always considered him like kind of like a second-tier sort of actor. Yeah. So I think we've got so much amazing talent in Godfather 1 and 2 and then you've kind of got these guys that are like, yeah, I don't know. At the time, they may have been potentially the next big things, mm-hmm. but yeah. I sort of feel like, you know, time hasn't been kind. And no. so you look, I look back and go, oh, these are kind of like the... Yeah. actors in an, what should have been an A movie and I don't know if you know yeah I, I agree it feels and I can't separate them from yeah, yeah. you know th- who they are to the character they're playing it feels like Coppola tried to pick the next bunch of yeah. and failed up and coming <laughs> yeah. as if he was remaking yeah like, yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's fair that's it yeah, yeah. interesting well uh, Sophia Coppola was originally offered to Julia Roberts the the role, yeah, and then Winona Ryder. When Renata, she pulled out like a day before filming. See, or that's something. crazy because yeah. she, uh, I think she would have been remarkable. She would have been great. She would have been, been, but it's her own doing. It is obviously, yeah. but well, yeah, it's wasn't a shame. It was scheduling, wasn't it? But I mean, she had agreed sure. up until the last what minute. What was she yeah. doing at the time? I don't know if she was yeah. ill or I don't know. Mermaids, bit, huh? Mermaids maybe. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> no, yeah, I know it would have been maybe around the Edward Scissorhands time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have been decision. Yeah, could have been. I mean, that role is incredible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And of course, um, he cast her in Dracula because he really wanted to put her in something. And she was great in that. Actually, I I only rewatched that film um, two weeks ago. And God, I I didn't enjoy that film when I saw it at the movies. I saw it when it first opened in the cinema, but I was a massive horror kid. So watching it, it was like, it was a lot of drama and a lot of visual effects and things that I just thought were tacky. As a kid, I thought that was tacky. And then watching it now, I was like, 
God, that looks spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Like it's practical. Most really, of them are yeah. Yeah. Digital, but mostly really practical. spectacular. And it is a really good film. It's Gary Oldman's phenomenal. It's probably yeah. Coppola's most experimental film, I think. Like yeah. You'd probably oh, argue Apocalypse I, now. I haven't seen Twix, so I can't <laughs> say. Twix. Oh, you I haven't seen Twix? No, I heard that's oh. pretty, pretty out there. I've heard that's yeah. pretty cool too. Yeah. Man, well, my reputation's been sullied already, man. I like Twix. Right, fair enough, fair enough. I didn't love it. I like it, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gothic. Alley, it's gothic. <laughs> it is, mate. It is. Al Fanning and Val Kilmer. Yeah, Val. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Anyway. Best yeah. Batman. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of Sophia Coppola, she won mm. two awards for this one. What? Two well, they, Razzie Awards. Razzie, Razzie, yeah, 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 that's it. She won for uh, Worst Actress and Worst New Talent. Right, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it is. But the film itself was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Yeah. Which um, Do you think forget? that's tokenistic or do you think it was of that year fair? Look, I'd I don't have know to. what else was nominated. And, that and year. remember too, like like you said, watching them back to back, clear difference. Yeah, sixteen years between. Do you think it's worthy of an Oscar nom with that space of time between them? Sure. And cinema landscapes changed and all that. Kind yeah, of stuff. I know what you're saying. It, it may have been a. It may have been for the overall achievement. You don't have to like sugarcoat <laughs> it. No, no, I'm, not, yeah. I'm just trying to think. <laughs> Like I can see why it got nominated yeah. at the time. Is it tokenistic or is it probably? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I should answer. Um, I think it's they looked at the overall achievement and went, all right. Well, he's done a decent. He's come back. It's called The Godfather. Yeah. We'll give it. We'll give <laughs> yeah. it some nominations. I don't know if it came out before Goodfellas or after. Like um, in terms of the year. Same year. Yeah, they were both yeah, nominated for Best Picture. What, what, I've just looked it up because I wanted to get a feel of what was nominated that year. I think Goodfellas totally blows it away. And I think oh, yeah. if, if Goodfellas had to come out in the months prior, it may have put it in a bit more, mm. you know, like yeah. in its proper light. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. But if you compare, they're different films, but yeah, we're talking yeah. gangster movies of the year. It yeah. doesn't come close. Well, in Mind your, you, neither one won Best Picture. No. no. Dancers with Bulls won that year. Kevin. Which, you yeah. know, I think is a great film. It's a great film. Yeah, no. Very great. Film. Awakenings no. almost always. Oh. Always. Sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. Awakenings was also nominated for Best Picture, so De Niro got this is two a De Niro. Two De Niro. Donation, mate. The no last one was Ghost. Ghost. So you were spot on with seeing <laughs> the poster. <laughs> you know, going to yeah. see Ghost and seeing the poster of Godfather Three. What about Exorcist Three? How's that line? Uh, up? They didn't make it to the Oscars <laughs> um, that year. Might have <laughs> seen maybe, maybe in Best Special George. Effects or something. That's because George yeah. is in it. They didn't make it. <laughs> what a shame. Very underrated. Film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, there you go. Look, Best Director Costner obviously won for for Dances with Wolves. Coppola was up for Godfather Three. Scorsese with Goodfellas. Stephen Frears was up for The Grifters, which is one of my all-time wow. favorite films. Wow. Daniel Day Lewis, yeah. No, is that um, Angelica? Uh, Angelica? Yeah, Angelica Houston. Um, yeah, uh, John Cusack. Oh, of and, course, and it's got that poster with all of them on the. Oh my lord, I can't remember. Yeah, um, Annette Bening. Ah, yeah, Annette. right. Yeah. Exceptional movie. This would have been okay. hot off of what, Great Outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, it was because Great Outdoors would have been 88, yeah. 89. So yeah, not far Let's off. Go. Yeah, Let's not go. far off. Um, look, one major problem I sort of have with The Godfather Three, outside of Sophia Coppola's performances, and like, because you're a bit of an expert on this, Keith, is mm. I don't know. They've given Pacino too much dialogue. I feel like he's always talking throughout this movie. And we've gone from this character that's yeah. sort of like very brooding, only you know, sort of speaks when you know it's necessary or and like he's always talking in this movie all the time and arguing and bickering uh, with his daughter. And that Do you think that's because he's in a position where he's trying to negotiate his way out of the crime world? Possibly. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. Even when he done he... it with gestures? Even when... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Other characters? He, I don't it's know. It's just that death stare. Yeah. Even, though when, even how he swears. Yeah, when he swears mm. at um, Joey Zaza. Out of character. I'm like, that is not Michael Corleone. Mm. I actually think it's more... 
Francis Ford Coppola than it is Michael Corleone. Yeah, I think right, it's I think right. the film's I got a theory that's more reflective of his own life at that time, his yeah. career. Obviously, his daughter dies in the film. I know his son died recently. Right. Okay. I, I don't know. I just I yeah. see no Michael Corleone in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that's my major. He's got that one moment where they pull me back in. That's it. Know, that's yeah. a great line. It's a good it's line. It's a really quotable one it's line. It's like that disappointing. Yeah, no, no. It's, it was yeah. on the trailer. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, like yeah, that it's disa- ingrained in pop culture now, too. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's that disappointing third album that's got that one banger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> that's it. Totally. But I think um, that my biggest problem with it is, yeah, that characterization of Michael, the dialogue. Yeah. Obviously, he changed his appearance, but mm. it's more about how he speaks, how he acts. I just see no. Um, Evidence of the character from the first two whatsoever. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. No, seems like a different guy. What do you think of his appearance? Like it's, it's yeah, strange. The straight hair. Uh, I, I didn't mind so much. I think they they did an incredible job of sort of aging him up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did they did a phenomenal job at the yeah. end of you know Godfather Two to yeah. make him look you know older. But what would have? I think that that was really well done because it. I yeah. I had to look and go, but Pacino would have only Cardigans. been this yeah. age, and how's he? Oh, wow, that's really. Well, well you got to throw a cardigan on him. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cardigan grazed. What, what would it have taken to make Godfather Three a great film? They would have actually made it back in the seventies, <laughs> maybe. I yeah. Yeah. you know, not left well, so much time, so the expectation wasn't there. Nailed it on the head, though. Script. They wrote the first draft in seventy nine. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. So it could so have been. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I think you nailed it on the head. I think if you got rid of all that dialogue from Pacino and given more of that to Garcia. Yeah, mm. like yeah. had the the switch of generation. Like yeah, that might have been a more a, a better story. I would have focused on Garcia. possibly his character Garcia's character is probably a bit too full on mm. immediately. Like yeah. comes on just fucking comes on strong. guns blazing. Yeah. yeah, I think if they'd done a slow burn with his trajectory, that might have been a better way to look at it. Yeah. He was in an interview recently. We talked about where he talked about Godfather Four, Part and he four. Goes, he's like, "I am the Godfather." Because if you think about it, because I am the Godfather, yeah. right. I think he yeah, loves yeah, that yeah. knowledge that <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's the Godfather. And he, can right go, now. he can say that to the grave. Like, yeah. <laughs> what did they do? They, you know, I guess I'm probably yeah, jumping well, ahead, aren't I? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, we're done. We're, we're done with. So the there Godfather was a TV story. movie, yeah. The Last On. Is that was that? The no. next step? It's no, there's no, something based else. Based on Mario Puzo books, right, but okay. completely separate. Right, series. Yeah. Right. Can I say one thing about part three that pisses <laughs> Most me certainly. off? Yeah. And that is Connie. Man, she yes. pisses me off in that. There, I just do not buy her as like this this sort of um, Kappa regime or like yep. Lieutenant Don. I, I think... Yeah, like she's reformed and now she is... Absolutely. Yeah. You look at the first one, yeah. you know, Michael kills her husband and yeah. she like spends years trying to get over it. She comes back and then yeah. there is... I just do not buy it that he would kill Fredo. And she would be fine with it. One, I don't buy yeah, that he, she would believe him, and two, that she would be there. Because like, she was so desperate to get him back into the family it, yeah. as well, it, to work him back in there. It just makes yeah. zero sense for yeah. me on a storyline. Speaking that. of, like yeah. with that, with the the killing of Fredo, and I, me- I mentioned it earlier on, is mm. that in this film he's all about the regret. That's know, it. That came yeah, with that. I yeah. think that's played a little too hard. Yeah, you know, like it's it's almost melodramatic. Yeah, when he's talking about you know, because he actually says it out loud. Like, yeah, he's like, I know. I killed my brother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's it's too forced. Yeah, that's for it. Sure. I agree. And um, like part two dealt with that. You see him where he should be alone, yeah. and he knows it. It's just and, yeah. you know, and no dialogue, nothing. It's just a ten second shot that accomplishes more than two yeah. and a half hours in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, I guess the first two are like a Monet and the third one's like a Picasso, mate. Just fucking throw it's, it at the yeah. wall. Oh, the, yeah. The, 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 the third, Ken Dome. The, the, yeah, Ken Dome. The third ones are like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the third oh, one's a blurry huh? Polaroid <laughs> of the Monet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it does feel like an imitation. Like, he forgot... He went away from what made him great as a filmmaker, at least in terms of this story. 
Yeah, oh, it's, it's just too long between drinks. It's a hard yeah, thing to recapture, isn't it? Good for the cash. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, that pretty much takes us to the end of Godfather 3. Let's talk about Godfather 4 for a moment. Yeah. It was almost made just before Mario Puzo died. And it was said to feature Andy Garcia as the residing Godfather with a lot of the original cast, including De Niro, Duvall and Talia Shire with the addition of Leonardo DiCaprio, wow, who was supposed right. to be uh, the younger son. Sonny. So okay. these are all people that had expressed their interest in returning. So mm-hmm. they had said, right, yeah, we will right. consider this. Yeah. Strange that Sophia Coppola wasn't actually that would have yeah. been probably better interesting yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's interesting that Coppola would toy with the idea of a fourth one when he so publicly dissed the third uh, yeah well I think Pacino said that it's just like a topic that he can't help but Coppola can't help but go back to like he yeah. denies it yeah. but it's just something in him that well, he can't help it he's never really Recaptured that kind of no. filmmaking essence, has he? No, it's no. sort of a clutch for glory. That's it. Post-apocalypse is just a different, man. Probably yeah. just thinking yeah. all that. If only I'd oh, made the deer hunter. With the exception of <laughs> Peggy Sue got married. <laughs> or Tucker. Tucker. What Tucker. A, oh, Tucker. I had to revisit that yeah. less than a year ago. What an incredible great movie. Film. Incredible movie. Before, Underappreciated. Before mm. I move on to my final subject, let's quickly mm. round off the movies that Coppola's made other, outside of The Godfather. Let's say outside of Apocalypse Now because we know how you feel about that, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> what, are some, what are some of your favourite Coppola films outside of those magnum opus titles? So I'm not allowed to mention The Conversation? Yeah, of course you are. Yeah, well then The Conversation... <laughs> I'd say that's an amazing film. I mean, it's rated highly. It's a classic, isn't it? But it's not probably... It hasn't entered pop culture like those other three. No, not quite, It's no. an incredible film. Unless you consider Enemy of the State. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like an unofficial um, <laughs> sequel, I guess. Um, that's an incredible film. Uh, Hackman is amazing. Again, it taps into that. I miss know. Hackman. Yeah, he's what an actor. He's yeah. just almost my favourite actor. I'm waiting ever. for Welcome to Mooseport 2. That'd yeah. Be nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so is Ray Romano. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Return as Lex Luthor. <laughs> oh, shit. But, um, no, I love The Conversation. That's a great film. I think that it's smaller scale, but it holds up to those other three great ones. Yeah. Tucker, again, is mm. another great film. You know, it, it's um, he was in that different era of film, like different Absolutely. phase. He, mm. It's almost like his ambitions had changed like I think yeah. Apocalypse Now he, he went I think that's what the great thing about Coppola is his ambition like just part two yeah. Godfather they're really ambitious films and he pulls it off and I think after that he was just gun shy so he yeah. just you know yeah. just rumble fish outside of this yeah. just small scale so he doesn't thrive in that for me but I think yeah he's made some good stuff um, since Tucker's great now that would be the one for me post 70s that really stands out what about you well, um, you know, Peggy Sue got married, but it's a different <laughs> kettle of fish. It's just yeah. such an oddball sort of film for people who have made, particularly after Rumblefish and Outsiders, but I love Outsiders also. Um, and then Tucker, yeah, I guess. The, the, the trouble really for me is, is that sort of the 90s for him as a filmmaker outside of like Dracula, which I only revisited oh, recently Dracula, and really enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. Post that, it's like, about, I don't um, know. I haven't seen Jack yet. The Rainmaker, Rainmaker? left no memory in me. Like, I think... You know, that was based off a um, novel by... Grisham, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. John Grisham. It essentially yeah. plays out very much like an Aaron Brockovich yeah. type of film. I wasn't like, even aware that he made that. I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I know... It's a, it's a good film. Yeah. Like you watch, it's a good movie. We only oh, use yeah. the word film. Yeah, it's absolutely. a good movie. It's, a movie. it's a, like a Sunday afternoon, you're on the couch, you watch that. Yeah. Mickey Rourke makes his grand return in that. Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. This, yeah. it's a good movie in yeah. itself. But yeah, if you were to say that's a Francis Ford Coppola film, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I was yeah, totally. stunned. 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that came the year after Jack. And Jack was, I guess it's a massive redemption after Jack, though. And you consider <laughs> Still it. haven't seen it. Yeah, I know. I'll get there. You'll love uh, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you just watch Jack for the Robin Williams factor alone. Yeah, um, that's it. He made Captain EO as well, that Michael Jackson. Oh, the thing that was at Disneyland yeah, back in the day. Really? Yeah. yeah, right. Wow. So, interesting. Yeah. Uh, he also championed the return of uh, Victor Selva and produced a whole lot of horror films. <laughs> of course, because the yeah. Americans are tropa. Yeah, yeah. They were producing. He produced, did he... Well, after Dracula, he got yeah. stuck into horrors right. like Frankenstein. Jeepers Creepers. Oh, Creepers. Yeah. 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 Which was the Slava Factor. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, of course, because, yeah, he's, he's big on the producing. And I think part. he might have produced Clown House, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, the first of yeah. Uh, yeah. Victor's work. Yeah. Interesting. Second, second. There's the other side of it. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, now to what I really want to talk about, and I bet neither of you have watched it. <laughs> Is it Youth Without Youth? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. Haven't Followed seen by it. Twixt. Yeah. <laughs> Big question is: Did either of you guys watch The Sicilian? No, <laughs> no I didn't, didn't. I knew that would happen. I was chance. going to, but yeah. that's because I thought this was happening next week. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, fair enough. So no, but I do know a little bit about it. Okay, so a little bit of backstory for people listening: We won't spend too much time on it. The Sicilian is based on a book that Mario Puzo wrote as a spin-off from The Godfather. So, technically, in lit- literature terms, it, it is part of the Godfather series and legacy. Yeah. Oh, on nice. film. They removed all references to Michael Corleone. And so it it now, I guess, resides in that universe just without his character. Mm. It was directed in 1987 by Michael Cimino, who had done... Of course, Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter Hunter again. You know, and I guess that's (laughs) the one... That's Yeah, but Deer Hunter's the one film that sort of, you know, I guess maybe gives the false impression that he's one of the great titans of Hollywood. Right, yeah. Would you say it's a false impression? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Deer Hunter's a great film, but it's like, you know, even... Even Ray Charles gets one in the hoops, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, man. Well, it, this one, it's a massive misfire. It was a very ambitious kind of um, thing to do. It, it stars Christopher Lambert, John Turturro, Terence Stamp, Joss Eklund, amongst others. Good caliber of cast. Mm. Very ambitious attempt here. Yeah. Uh, the story takes place in 1950s Sicily, which is where the first film took place when Michael went back. Of course, yeah. So that was the era that this happens. And it focuses on a, an outlaw called Salvador Giuliano, uh, who's a revolutionist and a murderer who attempts to liberate Sicily from Italy's rule uh, to make it an American state. It's a very Robin Hood figure type of thing. It's a true true character that actually existed in real life. Interesting thing about the backstory of this one, which I'm sure Keith knows about, even though you know, haven't watched it, <laughs> Michael Cimino is famous for throwing tantrums with yeah. the studio and being a very difficult guy to, to you know to work with Fox demanded that the film would be cut when he delivered it he threw one of the biggest most infamous tantrums declaring there was nothing left to trim Fox persisted insisted that he cut it and he returned a week later with a really short version where he removed all of the action sequences yeah. he took Whoa. them out entirely which are the they were the set pieces right he removed them all but contractually, that's all he had to do, and Fox had to release that version. Yeah, wow. The 120 yeah. minute yeah. cut. Yeah, the 120 yeah. minute cut, so it's got no action. And wow. that was his fuck you to the studio, yeah. which is hilarious in itself. And that's the one that made the DVDs up yeah. until the recent sort of director's, director's cut, cut, which in itself isn't actually a director's cut because he wasn't really alive to oversee mm. that. It's sort of as best they could get okay. to it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but the studio were furious, you know, with with how that panned yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's not where the film went wrong. Christopher Lambert as a lead character in yes. a Godfather, you know, yeah. environment. Not really known for performance. He has no depth. John Turturro, yeah. on the other hand, put him in the lead. He would have been amazing. He would, yeah, he would have been, yeah. right. would have been amazing, yeah. but originally Chimino wanted Daniel Day-Lewis to play the lead. 
right. But right. the studio said he's a nobody. Wow. Oh, wow. So we won't, we won't worry about that. broken him ahead of, yeah. uh, you know, uh, what was it? The foot movie? My Left Foot? My, My Left Foot. foot. Yeah. yeah. Would have broken him ahead of that. Would you yeah. argue he went full retard in that? Uh, well, yeah, if you can only use yeah. one foot, that's pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah. It's pretty retarded. Yeah, around in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a performance. Mate. Yeah. But I think it's okay because that was his breakout role. Yeah. If yeah. he'd done it mid-career, it might have been. Yeah. But watching it recently, like I was telling Keith prior to watching it, like I had fond memories of it and I was very excited to sort of watch something mm. that was supposed to be Godfather that never quite worked out. So mm. I went in with these high anticipations and expectations and... The music is so fucking comical in this movie that immediately before Christopher Lambert opens his mouth with a French accent, yeah, like the movie itself is comical. You've got this music, it's like they come trotting in on horses and the music's like... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, wow. You're like, wow. Like, can you imagine if that had been Michael Corleone walking yeah, into that? What the fuck? So it's instantly a pretty shabby film. Mm. The performances outside of... Um, Christopher Lam- Lambert, I should say. That's Christopher Lambert. Yeah, Lambert. <laughs> uh, they're quite good. Terrence, yeah. Terrence Stamp's good. Um, the, the themes of the film with you know, the church, the state, you know, the mob. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Apparently on the, the set, the mob actually controlled all of the locations they were filming at. Wow. So they were under mob rule while they were filming. Wow. And Incredible. the mob insisted on all the background players be actual mobsters and all wow. this kind of stuff. That's great. So yeah. production-wise, Creative it's consultants. Yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's it. <laughs> well, that's it. It's, it's a juicy film, backstory-wise. Okay. You know, it's worth looking at I lent you the Blu-ray you're going to watch it anyway I will watch it yeah shits and giggles and curiosity factor yeah Um, but there's nothing really more to add I would have asked if you guys had seen it who would you have recast as you know Salvador Yuliano at the time but um, hard to say when you haven't seen it I would have put maybe someone like William Hurt in there yeah he oh, was fucking lovely. Yeah. Same here. He was <laughs> an upcomer. Even great Timothy actor. Hutton. You know, Timothy I Hutton. Have, I also love Timothy Hutton. Timothy Hutton. And Nicholas Cage, yeah. I would have said at the time. Like yep. those three were probably better choices. Right but, um, age, yeah. So is it like um stylistically, is it similar to the Godfather films? Yeah, it's it's, it's far closer mm. to Godfather than number three is. Okay. Um it recaptures the atmosphere of those Sicily moments mm-hmm. from the first one. But it's much more ambitious and just fall short of the mark yeah uh, you can tell it's mainstream yeah just by looking at it um, but there's like I mean there are epic scenes like mm. one thing that Chimino is great at is putting Bang for Buck on a screen mm. so you've got these wide shots with like depth going beyond the mountains and coming up from the mountains you've got literally tens of thousands of troops on horseback coming up and winding around the mountains into the foreground yeah and that's practical. That's not like yeah. he digitized that. Like yeah. that wow. is something he yeah. actually orchestrated and executed. So it has that. And if you watch feel. the dailies, if you're the studio watching the dailies, you'd be like, "Wow, this is fucking epic!" Yeah. Like, what have yeah. we got yeah. here, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And he hasn't told them yet that he's got some fucking play school musician that's going to add Go like score. Right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's right. The money ran out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, so I think it fell apart mostly in post. Okay. That's where I would argue. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because right. I don't think. Any of it within the film, if you had cut it properly, yeah. other than Lambert, mm. you know, which is a big yeah, chunk of the fucking film is yeah. the lead. But um, so anyway, he, if he hadn't, if he had edited it properly, the hundred twenty min, could he have made a good, good cut, or was it just not no? Salvageable? Because the director's cut, which is the closest they've got to mm. it on Blu-ray, is still a schmozzle. Yeah, it's still right. a schmozzle, but a curious schmozzle. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, 
Well, lucky, no? Anyway, that brings us to the end of quite possibly one of our most epic podcasts. Yeah. I think we were thoroughly, thoroughly out godfathered in this <laughs> one. <laughs> Undoubtedly. <laughs> yeah. He raised questions that I didn't even know could have been questions. <laughs> I had no answers. And like, I have I'm no doubt sure. in my mind that we could have carried this on for three more hours and Undoubtedly. Keith could have just done it on his own. Yeah, I would have loved mate, mate, we'll have to, <laughs> We will have to have you back for a battle episode. Deer Hunter vs. Yeah. Apocalypse Now. Um, you should do um, a franchise version of Apocalypse Now with all three cuts. Technically, <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. it's pretty much franchise. Oh, could, well, you could. could make three that. cuts yeah. released 20 years apart. You could just yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Keith, mate, um, it's been the. I've wanted you on this podcast for a long time. Thank yeah. you for coming on. Thank you for having it's me. been an absolute pleasure. And, mate, you fucking outshone Nailed us. It. Yeah, it's Nailed been great, guys. It's great to talk about my two favorite flicks, one of my favorite directors. Big Francis, what a black. <laughs> yeah. Copla came to my farm, parked his thing, came in, I cooked Maryland crab cakes for him, my mother's special recipe, because he wanted it. He wrote it down, everything like, he said, I don't know if I'm going to take the part. He left, and he kept calling, he forgot the recipe. He was more concerned about getting that recipe than would I do Godfather 3. 